Reciting the Tashahud Ta'uz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalid Amsi V recited verse 42 of Surah Al-Hajj and then stated, This means those who, if we establish them in the earth, will observe prayer and pay the zakat and enjoin good and forbid evil. And with Allah rests the final issue of all affairs. In this verse, Allah the Exalted has drawn the attention of believers to the fact that true believers are those who after gaining power after a period of weakness and distress, having attained contentment and improved conditions where they can freely worship and follow their religion, they do not begin to dedicate themselves to their desires and vested interests. Rather, they observe Salat, pay attention to their prayers, populate their mosques, serve humanity, and spend their wealth on the poor and the meek while having fear of Allah the Exalted. They make sacrifices for the propagation of the faith. They purify their wealth by spending it for the propagation of God's faith. They are mindful of performing good deeds and also admonish others to do the same and also to fulfill the rights of Allah the Almighty and His servants. They abstain from vices and also stop others from committing sin. Since they do all this whilst having the fear of Allah the Exalted and in order to act upon His commandments, then Allah the Exalted would ensure that their deeds produce the best results. 
The reason is that God Almighty is the one who decides the outcome of everything. Hence, whatever is done upon the instruction and command of God Almighty, while having fear of Him in one's heart, then this will certainly have an excellent outcome. Thus, if every one of us were to understand this principle, then we will continue to be recipients of the blessings of Allah the Exalted. You have built a mosque here in Mahdiabad. Similarly, a mosque has been inaugurated recently in Fulda and Gisen. By the grace of Allah the Exalted, under the 100 mosque scheme, the Jamaat in Germany has had the opportunity to construct various mosques. Certainly the members of the Jamaat are making financial sacrifices for the construction of these mosques so that they can raise the standard of their worship while acting upon the commandments of God Almighty. Having migrated to this country from Pakistan, our financial condition has improved. This should draw everyone's attention towards spending in the way of God Almighty and constructing His house. Where we could gather together and observe Salat, offer congregational prayers, create such condition in our prayers which draws the pure attention of Allah the Exalted towards us. This is so that we are freely able to fulfill the rights of the worship of Allah the Almighty. We are not granted religious freedom in Pakistan. There the law of the country does not permit us to construct mosques and it does not permit us to worship freely in order to fulfill the rights of Allah the Exalted and to worship Him. Here we are constructing mosques in order to fulfill the rights of Allah the Exalted and Allah has also blessed us financially. Everyone should be mindful of this. Therefore we will also try to fulfill the rights of God's creation and we are in fact doing so. We have pledged allegiance to the promised Messiah in order to improve our spiritual and moral state. Hence our mosques draw our attention towards this fact and they should do so. Thus, every Ahmadi living here should develop such a mindset and try their best to act in accordance with this. They should develop this within their hearts and should demonstrate it through their actions. Otherwise, the construction of a mosque would be futile. Every Ahmadi should remember that their objective will not be fulfilled through constructing mosques. Rather, it will be fulfilled when they sincerely draw their attention towards the worship of Allah the Exalted. When they establish their prayers. When they come to the mosque in order to offer the prayers in congregation and focus their attention towards Allah the Exalted during the prayers. If their attention diverts to somewhere else, they would immediately bring it back towards the prayer and towards God the Exalted.
Their objective will be fulfilled when they understand the reality of this matter, that we are being granted an opportunity to converse with Allah the Exalted during prayers. We are not to merely bow our heads or to prostrate or simply repeat the words in Arabic. Rather, we are also to converse in our own languages. We should try to offer prayers in a manner whereby we will have an audience with Allah the Exalted. Stating the qualities of a righteous person, the qualities of a true believer, the Promised Messiah states that they are those who observe prayer and establish it. A righteous person establishes the prayer to the best of his ability. That is, the condition of their prayers declines, yet they raise it once again. The Promised Messiah states that a righteous person fears God the Exalted, and he establishes his prayer. In this state, one may develop various forms of anxieties and fears, which can become a distraction in the way of God. The distractions and thoughts in one's heart turn one's attention away from Allah the Exalted. These distractions and thoughts in a person's heart which turn his attention away from Allah the Exalted are in fact the definition of the decline of prayer. To establish it once again implies to turn one's attention towards Allah the Exalted again. The Promised Messiah states, However, if the heart is filled with righteousness, then a righteous person, i.e. a true believer, establishes the prayer despite the struggle of the soul. That is, the prayer declines and at times one's attention slips elsewhere. However, righteousness requires us to make an effort and establish the prayer once again, turn our attention towards prayer and God the exalted once again. This is what is referred to as establishing prayer. The Prophet Islam states, He makes rigorous efforts and repeatedly establishes his prayer. Furthermore, if a person resolutely establishes the prayer and tries to acquire high standards therein, a time comes when Allah the Exalted guides him through his words. Following this, the Promised Messiah elaborated on what guidance is and explained that it is a state where one is no longer in need to struggle to establish and elevate the prayer. The prayer of such a person does not decline and he does not lose focus for it to be re-established. For such a person, this is no longer the matter. Rather, having attained guidance, the prayer for such a person becomes like nourishment. It becomes as significant as food. Eating food is vital for a person's physical body. Similarly, prayer becomes nourishment for his spiritual sustenance. The Promised Messiah states, Just as one cannot survive without food, I am expounding on this, life also ceases to exist without prayer. Furthermore, it is not limited to the fact that they consume this nourishment in order to remain alive. Rather, the Promised Messiah states that this is an appetizing nourishment. The Promised Messiah states that such an individual is granted such a pleasure and delight during prayer, which is similar to that of drinking cold water when a person is extremely thirsty. The reason for this is that he would drink cold water owing to an extreme desire and become content after drinking to his fill. If a person is extremely thirsty and in a difficult situation where they are unable to find water, the pleasure he experiences when he eventually finds water, and cold water for that matter, is similar to that which a truly guided person experiences in their prayers. The Promised Messiah gave another example that if a person is hungry and is given extremely pleasant and delicious food, 
he experiences joy as a result of eating it. In reality, someone who truly offers the prayers experiences a similar joy. Hence, it is these prayers which are deemed as true prayers, which should be offered with joy and not as a burden. As a matter of fact, the Prophet Sallallahu has also given this example that prayer for a true believer is like a drug without which he feels great distress, similar to a drug addict who feels great pain if he does not find the drug. He feels great distress and agony. However, as a result of offering the prayer, he experiences a particular sense of contentment and coolness in his heart. The Prophet Sallallahu states that it is not possible to put in words the pleasure a person feels who truly offers the prayer. The Prophet Sallallahu states that a righteous believer experiences pleasure during the prayer and therefore offers it in a most excellent manner. The Prophet Sallallahu has said that prayer is the root and ladder of every advancement. For this very reason has it been said that prayer is the ladder of a believer through which a person is able to reach God the Exalted. Thus, if our mosques are to be constructed, they should be constructed for the purpose of offering such prayers. If we are to draw our attention towards constructing mosques, then we should do so in order to acquire this ladder, as this is the very means which leads to God the Exalted and one is granted the opportunity to converse with him. Hence, you should not become disheartened as to how to attain this rank. Allah the Exalted grants this rank after continuous efforts are made. Many people ask, and they also write to me, that they are unable to maintain their concentration during the prayer. Hence, this is the remedy in that one must strive and repeatedly remain focused. A person also asked this question in a gathering with the Promised Messiah Islam, saying that the condition of his heart is such that he does not experience any pleasure and fervor in prayer, and he remains in constant agony as a result of this, because he had previously experienced the delight of prayer. He asked that his feelings and apprehensions had increased, despite him trying to remove these doubts, he is unable to rid himself of them. What should he do? The Promised Messiah replied that this is also a blessing and a favour of God the Exalted, that a person is not overcome by such distractions. Although these doubts may be developing, yet having realised this, he has not allowed them to overpower them. The Promised Messiah said that when such a state is developed, when a person does not allow such distractions to overpower him, then this is also a state of being rewarded. Allah the Exalted even rewards this. God Almighty is a merciful and benevolent God. The Prophet said that a person whose soul incites to evil is not even aware of what a vice is, and he continues to commit vices as he is completely unaware of this. The reproving soul commits vices However, such a soul is always distressed and ashamed in doing so. It should be kept in mind that when someone is in the self-reproving state and they feel ashamed for committing sins and are regretful, then God Almighty rewards this. A person who is remorseful and repents is not a slave of their desires. The Prophet Islam stated, This should not make someone worry. If an individual experiences distractions and ill thoughts and they strive to repel such feelings, then Allah the Almighty rewards that. Such an individual is not a servant of their souls. It is necessary to remain in such a state to a certain degree. Therefore, one should not be disappointed because the reward is so immense that when the time comes, God Almighty bestows tranquility and His light. As a result of this, one becomes satisfied and remains content. Such an individual should not become wearied 
and should consistently offer in their prostrations the following prayer. Ya Hayu Ya Qayyum Birahmatika Astaghith However, keep in mind that to do something in haste is harmful. If someone wishes to become fearless, then they should not rush things because the one who hastes is a coward. The onslaughts of Satan weaken after years and years of effort. This finally forces him to quit. Therefore, we should always keep this principle in mind that one should not do things in haste. and to hold fast to God Almighty, and to constantly bow down in front of Him. One day, Satan will eventually give up and run away. If, however, an individual is hasty and does not try to establish prayers as much as possible, then Satan grasps such an individual. Usually it has been noted that people often show head prayers. It should be kept in mind that if an individual only prays for the sake of attaining the world, then Allah the Almighty does not accept such supplications. On the contrary, if someone supplicates for advancement in their spirituality, faith and the nearness to God Almighty, then he becomes close to them and fulfills their worldly needs as well. Hence, there are specific ways and principles of supplicating to God Almighty and one should follow these guidelines. How is it possible that on the one hand, Allah the Almighty states, Ud'uni astajib lakum, meaning pray unto me, I will answer your prayers. And on the other hand, when the servants pray to him, he does not listen. The Promised Messiah has explained this by saying Offering supplications and salutations on the Holy Prophet are included in prayers. These are in Arabic language. But it is not forbidden for someone to pray in their mother tongue. God Almighty has identified prayer as an action that contains humility and concentration. One should supplicate with humility, a tender heart, and the fear of God, that I am standing before Allah the Almighty and calling upon Him for help. The sins of such people are wiped away. Therefore, God Almighty has stated, Innal hasanat yudhibna sayyi'at meaning that surely good works drive away evil works. The meaning of good works here is offering prayers. Concentration and humility in prayers can be attained by supplicating in one's own language. Meaning that the humility and meekness that causes a person's heart to melt can only be attained if one prays in their mother tongue when they can comprehend fully what they are praying for. Hence the Promised Messiah instructed us to pray in our own language as well. He further states, It is vital to offer the prayers that Allah the Almighty has taught us. And the best prayer among those prayers is Surah Al-Fatiha because it is a complete prayer. In Surah Al-Fatiha, Allah the Almighty has taught us the following prayer. Ihdina Sirat al-Mustaqeem i.e. guide us on the right path. The meaning of this supplication is extensive. While elaborating upon this, the Prophet Islam states, when a farmer learns the traits and skills required for farming, it is at that point that he becomes guided in the ways of farming. Meaning, if a farmer learns the knowledge about farming, he knows how to plough, spread the seeds, when to fertilise the land, when to pour water on it, when to spray the fields, then the Promised Messiah Islam states that such a person has reached the right path in his profession.
Similarly, you should seek the right path to meet with God and pray, O my Lord, I am your sinful and humble servant. Please guide me. Supplicate to God for your insignificant and significant needs without any shame. He is the one who bestows. The most righteous is the one who prays the most. Because if a beggar knocks at the door of a miserly person, he will one day feel ashamed and give something. Then the one who begs in front of God Almighty, whose generosity is matchless, how can he receive from him? Hence, the one who asks receives eventually. The other name of prayer is supplication. As Goroni astajiblekum, pray unto me, I will answer your prayer. He then states, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانٌ Meaning, and when my servant asks thee about me, say, I am near. I answer prayer of the supplicant when he prays to me. The Promise of Islam states, Some people fall into doubt regarding the existence of God. However, God Almighty states that a proof of His existence is that when one supplicates and seeks from Him, He will also respond and remember this servant of His. Often people claim that they supplicated a lot, but their supplications were met with no response. In relation to this, the Promise of Islam states, you are stood in a place and call out to one who is standing at quite a distance from you. But the person you call out to will indeed hear and respond. But owing to the distance, as well as the fact that you have hearing impediments, you will not be able to hear him. The person you are calling out to will reply. But when he replies from afar, due to your hearing impediment, you will not be able to hear him. Since you have a defect of the ear, you will not be able to hear that person's reply from a distance. Promisesai says, however, gradually, as these obstacles and the distances are removed, you will certainly be able to hear. The more you strive to become closer to God Almighty, the more you will be able to hear Him. The Promise of Islam states, This evidence has always been there since the world has been created which is that God Almighty converses with His chosen servants. If this was not the case, then gradually over time, the concept of His existence would have completely disappeared from the face of the earth. Thus, one of the greatest proofs of God Almighty's existence that we are able to witness Him and speak to Him. Being able to converse with God Almighty is akin to actually seeing Him. Until obstacles and hindrances remain between God and the one who supplicates to him, one cannot hear him. When these intermediary hindrances are removed, one indeed will be able to hear him. Thus, it is vital to remove the hindrances which lie in between man and God. Moreover, God Almighty has promised that the one who earnestly comes towards him and whilst seeking to comprehend the true reality of his being he too shall go towards such an individual. The Holy Prophet ﷺ has also explained this. He states that God Almighty has declared that when his servant takes a step towards him, he in turn takes two steps, and when his servant walks towards him, he comes running. Thus, if there is ever any blemish, it lies within us. Therefore, it is essential for us to strive towards God Almighty. In order to search for the paths that lead to Him and in order to meet Him, we are in need of His help. If we claim to have pledged allegiance to the Promised Messiah, then it is essential that we strive to our utmost in order to reach God Almighty. 
It is not enough to only adhere to one of the instructions of the Prophet Islam to construct mosques, so that it can serve as a means of introducing Islam to others. Rather, we must make every practical effort possible and also seek the help of Allah the Almighty. One can only achieve success when one makes an effort and is also granted the help of Allah the Exalted. Elaborating upon this, the Promise of Islam states, Remember that seeking repentance at the time of Bayt produces blessings. In addition to this, if one pledges to give precedence to their faith over all worldly things, it leads one to further progress. When one pledges allegiance, they are granted blessings, but when one also pledges to give precedence to their faith over all worldly things, then it leads them to further success. However, to give precedence to faith is not in your hands. Rather, one is greatly in need of the help of God Almighty for this to be achieved. One needs the help of God Almighty in order to attain this. Just as God Almighty states, وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِينَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُلَنَا Meaning, and as for those who strive to meet us, we will surely guide them in our ways. The Prophet Islam further states, Without effort and irrigation, a seed sown into the ground will be fruitless. When a farmer sows a seed, but fails to make any effort in cultivating it, and neither waters it, then it will not bear any fruit. In fact, it will not be grown at all, and even if it did, it will be extremely weak and will quickly wither away. Similarly, if you do not remind yourself every day of the pledge of giving precedence to your faith over all worldly things, and nor pray to God Almighty for His help, you will not be granted any blessing. The Promise of Islam states, Without the help of God Almighty, it is not possible to bring about a change in one's condition. In order to attain the help of God Almighty, one has to continuously supplicate to seek God Almighty's help and grace. The Promise of Islam further states, A thief, a cheat, adulterer or criminal do not always remain in that condition of theirs. Rather, there comes a time when they feel remorse over their actions. This is true in the case of every wicked person, thus proving that every individual has virtuous thoughts within them. Therefore, it is essential to seek the help of Allah the Almighty in order to attain these virtuous thoughts. It is for this reason that we have been commanded to recite Surah Al-Fatiha in our five daily prayers. And we recite, إِيَّكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّكَ نَسْتَعِينَ That is, Thee alone do we worship, and Thee alone do we implore for help. This points out to two things. Firstly, in order to attain virtuous deeds, one must employ all of their faculties endowed upon them by God and make every possible effort. And this is alluded to in the words na'budu, i.e. we worship. An individual who simply prays and does not make any effort can never prosper. To simply pray is not enough. Rather, one must make an effort as well. If a farmer sows a seed but makes no effort, how can he then expect for it to bear fruit? This is the established practice of God Almighty. If one plants a seed and then only prays for it and fails to look after it and irrigate it and cultivate the land, he will be deprived of its fruits. For instance, if there are two farmers one who works extremely hard in cultivating the land will surely be successful. On the other hand, the other farmer who does not put any effort or very little, consequently the yield from his crops will be so insufficient that perhaps he will not even have enough to pay tax and will remain impoverished. So too is the case in faith. Among them are hypocrites, inept, righteous and saints, scholars and spiritual leaders. In other words, there are all humans, however some of them are hypocrites and incompetent individuals. And while on the other hand, there are some who are righteous and attain the status of saints, scholars and spiritual heads and are granted an elevated station from God Almighty. Some of them observe prayer for 40 years 
but there has not been a single change in their condition, and nor do they observe any benefit after fasting for 30 days. They observe the fast for the entire month of Ramadan, but they do not derive any benefit and return to their original condition. There are many who claim that they are righteous and have been observing prayers for many years, but still fail to become recipient of divine succor. The reason for this is that they only worship ceremoniously and in a customary manner. They only worship in the physical sense and do not even think about progress. They do not make any effort to search for the sins that lie within them and nor seek true repentance. One can only truly seek repentance when they are able to identify their sins. When one ponders over their wrongdoings and sins, only then can his repentance be accepted. They remain stood at the very first step, and the condition of such people is no different to that of animals. Their prayers draw the wrath of God Almighty and do not receive acceptance. In fact, their prayers are thrown back in their faces. True prayer grants progress. For instance, if someone suffering from an illness visits a doctor and is prescribed to take a particular medication for 10 days, but realizes that his health is continuously deteriorating, hence, after so many days, having received no benefit from it, he will doubt as to whether this is the right medication for him and subsequently will seek to change it. Similarly, worshipping merely in a superficial manner is not correct, and this too must change. One must ponder as to why his supplications are not being answered, yet God Almighty has declared that he answers the prayers of the supplicant. Thus true worship is one by which a person draws closer to God Almighty. Then expounding on the importance of prayers, the promised Messiah Islam states, Salat in essence is a form of prayer. Every single word uttered in Salat takes the form of a supplication. During Salat, if one's heart is not inclined towards the prayer, then he should prepare for himself for the wrath of God, because one who does not pray invites the wrath upon himself. For example, a ruler or a government repeatedly proclaims that they will alleviate the pain of those who are suffering and will show mercy upon people and will help all those in need. However, if an individual who is facing great difficulties walks by and fails to respond to this call, a person who is facing difficulties walks by and does not pay heed to the call, nor does he express his difficulty, nor ask for help. Then other than facing ruin, what else can he expect for himself? The same is the case for God Almighty. He is ever ready to grant comfort to mankind, but on the condition that one seeks from him. For prayers to be accepted, it is essential to refrain from disobedience. And also one must supplicate with great intensity because a spark is only lit when a stone is hit against another stone. Thus, when one reaches such a stage, then one's actions and their prayers will be carried out solely for the purpose of attaining the pleasure of Allah. In turn, God Almighty would grant them peace despite all their fears. Always remember that whatever you have gained after having come here is only due to the blessings of God Almighty and it is only God's grace that can increase these blessings. In order to attain these blessings, it is vital to turn one's attention towards the worship of God and fulfilling the rights of God's creation. You all ought to analyze your own conditions as to the extent that you are observing prayer or to the extent one has established a relationship with God Almighty or is striving towards this. How many of our worldly endeavors come between us and our prayers? For this reason, one ought to always remember the saying of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, in which he said that the difference between Faith and disbelief is the abandoning of Salat. The aspect that will distinguish between belief and disbelief 
is the abandoning of prayer. This instruction is one that can strike fear in someone as it has been declared that a believer is one who is regular in their prayers. Otherwise, there is no difference between him and a disbeliever. Regarding the one who offers prayers in congregation, God Almighty has not only said to offer prayers, but to pray whilst giving full rights to prayer, will grant one 25 times, or in some cases 27 times the amount of blessings. If there is no genuine excuse, and we do not pay attention towards this, then how unfortunate will we be? Thus, if we have constructed mosques, then we must fulfill the rites of constructing a mosque, and we must elevate the standards of our worship. Furthermore, we must also be mindful to offer financial sacrifices, perform virtues ourselves by elevating our moral standards, and also encourage others to perform virtues. We must abstain from the evils of society and also protect others from it. Otherwise, our pledge of allegiance would merely be a verbal pledge. We must always bear the words of the promised Messiah in mind. He says, You must reform yourselves in a manner whereby your intentions become aligned with God Almighty's intentions, to the extent that nothing is left for one's own self, rather everything becomes God's. Purification means that one's heart is cleansed of all sorts of beliefs and actions that are opposed to God. God Almighty does not assist anyone unless they ensure that their intentions become one with God Almighty's desires and they completely submit to His will. The Promise of Islam says, I do not fear the increase of the community. When the Promise of Islam wrote this, the total number of followers is recorded as 400,000 or perhaps even more than this. A jamaat is not formed by simply extending one's hand to perform the bet. Rather, a community will truly be deemed to be a community when they act in accordance with the bet, through which one brings about a virtuous change within themselves and their lives become completely free from the immorality of sin. One then separates from their carnal desires and the clutches of Satan and become immersed in God Almighty, fulfill the rights of God and the rights owed to His creation wholeheartedly. One ought to remain anxious about the propagation of faith. They will destroy all their desires and wishes and become one with God Almighty. God has stated that one is doomed to go astray and is blind. Yet only the one who receives divine light from him and is granted the elixir of life can be saved. It is God who conceals the shortcomings of man. Otherwise, if the inner conditions of people become visible for others to see, then it is possible that some people would not even go near others. It is the attribute of God Almighty that He conceals the faults of others. For if they become known, then it is quite possible that some people would keep away from other people. The Promised Messiah says, God Almighty is Sattar, i.e. the one who conceals the faults of others, and He does not reveal the faults of others. Thus, man should strive to form virtuous deeds and always offer prayers. Remember well that if there is nothing that differentiates between the people of my Jamaat with others, then God Almighty is not the relative of anyone. If we as Ahmadis who have performed the bed are no different to other people, then one ought to remember that God Almighty is not the relative of anyone. Why would He grant us honour and safeguard us? If there is no difference, then God Almighty is not related to anyone that he would be compelled to grant us honour and humiliate others and punish them. The Promise of Islam says, إِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلُ اللَّهُ مِنُ الْمُتَّقِينَ The one who abandons every deed that is against the will of God Almighty is deemed as righteous. They consider their carnal passions and everything that is in the world to be nothing compared to God Almighty. The level of one's faith can only be gauged when it is tested. There are some who listen to something from one ear and remove it from the other. They do not embed these commands in their hearts irrespective of how much one advises them. They remain unmoved. Always remember that God Almighty is self-sufficient. 
until one prays constantly with great fervency, he does not accept it. Ponder over the fact that when one's wife or child are ill, that person suffers greatly and is anxious on account of them. Until one develops such fervency and anxiousness in their prayers, praying is a useless and futile act. For the acceptance of prayer, it is essential to develop a state of fervency, just as God Almighty has stated, meaning, or who answers the distressed person when he calls upon him and removes the evil. The Promised Messiah then says that when one reforms themselves, they ought to ensure the reform of their families and one is responsible for the reformation of one's wife and children. The Promised Messiah says, God Almighty grants succor only to those people who constantly strive to do good and excel as opposed to remaining in one place. It is these people who will have it. I have observed that some people are extremely passionate and develop a state of great fervency, yet after a while they become stationary in one place, as a result of which they do not have a good reckoning. God Almighty has taught the following prayer in the Holy Quran, Aslihli fi dhurriyati, meaning, and make my seed righteous for me. Alongside praying for one's own reform, one ought to also pray for one's wife and children, as many people are put into trial due to their children whereas others are put into trial due to their wives. Ponder, the first obstacle that Prophet Adam, peace be upon him, faced was due to a woman. Balaam abandoned his faith as opposed to Prophet Moses, and the reason for this was that the king at the time gave certain pieces of jewellery to Balaam's wife and incited for Balaam to curse Moses. Thus, it is due to this that many people are put into trial, and so one ought to strive to reform them and also constantly supplicate for this. May God Almighty enable us to reform our conditions and to not only establish prayer but to raise its standards. May we purify our wealth, increase our moral standards, perform virtuous deeds and also spread this far and wide. May we abstain from evil ourselves and strive to protect our offspring. After the construction of this mosque, may we spread the true message of Islam to the residents of the city. May we bring them closer to the worship of the one God. We can only achieve this if we bring about virtuous changes within ourselves. May God Almighty grant us the opportunity to do so. I will now mention some details about the mosque itself. We had previously named this area as Mahdiabad. The local area is called Nahib, where this mosque has been constructed. And the local Jamaat here is small. This was agricultural land, which was bought in 1989. Part of it has been given on contract for farming purposes. Previously, there was a farmhouse and another building, which we were granted permission to use as a mission house. We were granted permission to construct a mosque over the large hall. And all this was conducted through Vakari Amul. This is a two-story building which comprises of a residence for the missionary, which was constructed previously. In 2010, the council granted permission to build on the farmland. As a result, Twelve houses were constructed on this land and permission was granted for a purpose-built mosque. Out of the twelve houses, two have been kept by the Jamaat and the rest were sold, which generated income. Also, income was generated from the land that was taken back by the council. 
In fact, a greater amount was received, and as a result, this site was bought. Nevertheless, six or seven years ago, or rather eight years ago, I laid the foundations, and now the mosque has been constructed. The covered area of the two-story mosque is approximately 350 square meters and can hold 210 worshippers. The upper floor is for the men and the lower floor is for women. There are facilities for ablution, etc. The total cost of the construction was approximately 560,000 euros. The local members contributed a little over 200,000 euros and the remaining amount was given by the 100 mosque scheme. May God Almighty bless the wealth and progeny of all those who sacrifice for this. And with the construction of this mosque, may we fulfill the rights of our worship more than before.